Episode 67, Church History, Part 23. In the ninth century after Louis the Pius's death, civil war breaks out amongst Louis's sons, allowing the Muslims, the Magyars, and the Vikings to attack. The Magyars, also known as the Hungarians, raided and looted across continental Europe. Hungarians invaded and raided the Byzantine and Bulgarian territories. Their invasions targeted Italy, German territories, French territories, and Hispanic territory. And in the 10th century, they were able to lay territories for present-day Germany, France, and Italy, per historians. The Vikings were worse than the Hungarians. They were known as Germanic, Northmen, or Norsemen. History.com states, From the 9th century to the 11th century, a vast number of Scandinavians left their homelands to seek their fortunes elsewhere. These seafaring warriors, known collectively as Vikings or Norsemen, Northmen, began by raiding coastal sites, especially undefended monasteries in the British Isles. Over the next three centuries, they would leave their mark as pirates, raiders, traders, and settlers on much of Britain and the European continent, as well as parts of modern-day Russia, Iceland, Greenland, and Newfoundland. In the 9th century, Scandinavians, mainly Norwegians, began to colonize Iceland, an island in North Atlantic where no one had settled yet in large numbers, and we're supposed to believe that. By the late 10th century, some Vikings moved even further westward to Greenland. According to later Icelandic histories, some of the early Vikings settlers in Greenland may have become the first Europeans to discover and explore North America, calling their landing place Vinland or Wineland that built a temporary settlement in modern-day Newfoundland. Beyond that, there is little evidence of the Vikings' presence in the New World, and they didn't form permanent settlements. Maybe because the natives were already there in North America and ran them away. Vikings used trees for charcoal, which was for their furnaces, made with molten iron. They were fishermen who built their own ships. And with iron, they were able to make long ships as long as 100 feet in the 10th century. So if anyone tells you that there were no ships that were big enough to transport our ancestors through the Middle Passage across the Atlantic is a lie. They were building large ships in the 10th century. So of course, by the time we get to the 18th and 19th centuries, Japhet and Esau were building even more massive ships to transport millions of the tribe of Judah aka Judaites, throughout the world in the Atlantic slave trade. Let's keep going. The Vikings conquered Christian lands and then converted to Christianity. We see this over and over in history. Norsemen were forced to convert to Christianity or they willfully followed their Christian leadership. By the 11th century, pretty much all Scandinavians would be baptized Christian and this stopped any opposition to the papal or Christian authorities. The Slavs and even the Magars or the Hungarians adopted to the customs of the Germans. From podcast 63, we learned that in the wake of the internal and external threats of the old Carolingian Empire collapsed and split into three large territories, the East Frankish Kingdom, the West Frankish Kingdom and the Kingdom of Italy. The last Carolingian in the Eastern Line died without heirs in 911 AD. 
There, the political future lay with three kings, each named Otto, known as the Ottonian dynasty, to which they gave their name. With the loss of an effective protector, the papacy became the object of jealous competition among the noble families of central Italy and the kings of Germany. Otto I, or Otto the Great, became the German king in 936 AD and the Roman emperor in 962 AD. His job was to unify all the German tribes into one kingdom and expand the king's power. Otto placed his family in the king's most important positions. Otto transformed the Roman Catholic Christian Church in Germany to strengthen royal authority and to personally control the clergy. Again, we see the Roman Empire and the Catholic Christian Church becoming one. Beginning in the late 940s, Otto the Great rearranged interior policies by utilizing the offices of the Catholic Church as tools of royal administration, thereby setting the course for the Ottonian imperial church system. With regard to his divine right to rule, he viewed himself as the protector of the church. A key element of administrative reorganization was the installment of celibate clerics in secular offices, chiefly bishops and abbots, at the expense of the hereditary secular nobility. Otto sought to establish a non-hereditary counterbalance to the fiercely independent and powerful royal princess. He granted land and bestowed the title of prince of the empire to appointed bishops and abbots. Hereditary claims were thus avoided as after death, the offices fell back upon the crown. Historian Norman Cantor in The Civilization of Middle Ages concludes, under these conditions, clerical election became a mere formality in the Ottonian Empire, and the king filled up the ranks of the Episcopate with his own relatives and with his loyal clerks, who were also appointed to head the great German monasteries. The imperial church system was a governance policy by the early Holy Roman emperors and other medieval European rulers to entrust the secular governance of the state to as many celibate members of the clergy especially bishops and abbots of the Catholic Church as possible instead of the non-celibate laity. Rulers did this because celibate clergymen could not produce legitimate heirs who could claim their inheritance at death. We see here celibacy was not about being pure to Yah, but for stopping heirs to the throne of the Roman Catholic Christian Church. Kevin Madigan in Medieval Christianity states, the Northmen of England and France were baptized from 950 AD to 1000 AD. Denmark, Norway, and Sweden were all converted. On the eastern border, Christianity was accepted in Hungary and Poland in the late 10th century. Still, everywhere canon law was either unknown or ignored, church offices were bought and sold. Clergy were sexually immoral. Lay rulers appointed bishops and abbots. They also built private chapels without the supervision of bishops and appointed priests. It would have been impossible to see in these conditions that Christendom lay trembling just then on the brink of a revival. The papal church was controlling the Roman Empire, just as Charlemagne designed. 
After a brief civil war with the rebels, Otto defeated the Magyars in 955 AD, and the Hungarians never invaded Germany again. In the same year, he also defeated the Slavs per Britannica.com. The victory against the pagan Magyars earned Otto a reputation as a savior of Christendom and secured his hold on the kingdom. By 961 AD, Otto had conquered the Kingdom of Italy. He was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor in 962 AD by Pope John XIII in Rome. Britannica.com lists Otto the Great's achievements. He deliberately made use of the bishops to strengthen his rule and thus created the Ottonian church system of the German realm. That was to provide a stable and long-lasting framework for Germany. By his victorious campaigns, he gave Germany peace and security from foreign attack. And the preeminent position that he won as ruler gave him a sort of hegemony in Europe. His Italian policy and the acquisition of the imperial crown constituted a link with the old Carolingian tradition and was to prove a great responsibility for the German people in the future. All areas under Otto's rule prospered and the resultant flowering of the culture has been called the Ottonian Renaissance. Otto II, known as the Red, continued his father's policies by promoting a strong monarchy in Germany and extending the influence of his house in Italy. In 961, he was crowned co-regent king of Italy and Germany with his father and was made co-regent emperor in 967 AD. On April the 14th, 972, he married the Byzantine princess. When his father died in 972, after a 37-year reign, Otto II was 18 years old when he became the absolute ruler of the Holy Roman Empire. Otto II also continued the work of his father, Otto I, in subordinating the Catholic Church to imperial control. Early in his reign, Otto II defeated a major revolt against his rule from other members of the Ottonian dynasty who claimed the throne for themselves. His victory allowed him to exclude the Bavarian line of the Ottomans from the line of imperial succession. This strengthened his authority as emperor and secured the succession of his own son to the imperial throne. With domestic affairs settled, Otto II would focus his attention from 980 AD and onward to annexing the whole of Italy into the empire. His conquests brought him into conflict with the Byzantine Empire and with the Muslims of the Caliphate, who both held territories in southern Italy. In 982 AD, Otto invaded southern Italy but was defeated by the Muslim army. Otto II died suddenly in 983 AD at the age of 28 after a 10-year reign. He was succeeded as emperor by his three-year-old son, Otto III, plunging the empire into a political crisis. Otto III's cousin Henry ruled the throne at first, but was forced to abandon the throne, and Otto III's mother ruled until her death in 991 AD. Otto III was still a child, so his grandmother ruled until 994 AD. Yes, a mess. Around 996 to 997 AD, Otto III went to Italy and claimed his title of King of Italy and as the Holy Roman Emperor, which was unclaimed since his father's death in 983 AD. Otto III did not care to live in Germany, so he made Rome his official residence. 
because he was being influenced by a Frenchman named Gerbert of Aralac. Otto instituted elaborate Byzantine court ceremonies and reviving ancient Roman customs. He assumed the titles, the servant of Jesus Christ, the servant of the apostles, an emperor of the world, and saw himself as the leader of world Christianity. Otto III's former tutor, Gerbert, agreed with the concept of a theocratic emperor, and Otto III placed Gerbert on the papal throne as Pope Sylvester II. Pope Sylvester II was the first Frenchman to become Pope. He was a noted scientist that studied liberal arts, music, arithmetic, geometry, and astronomy. Again, we see over and over again, no influence from the ancient Israelites, the Torah, Yah himself, the Holy Ruach, nor the teachings of Yeshua, like none. This is the consistent foundation of the Catholic Christian Church, now called in the 10th century the Holy Roman Catholic Christian Church, as the Roman Empire and the Catholic Christian Church are practically one. The installment of Pope Sylvester was a part of Otto III's campaign to attach himself to the Roman Empire and the Catholic Christian Church because this would unify the world and the church. Otto III, like his grandfather, wanted to be like Charlemagne, and historians believed he transported Charlemagne's remains from Germany to Rome. Otto III's actions throughout his life further strengthened the imperial control of the Catholic Church as Pope Sylvester the second declared, we proclaim Rome capital of the world. We recognize that the Latin church is the mother of all churches. In the 10th century, the now holy Roman Catholic Christian church is making a mark that will be hard to erase as their Catholic Christianity expands to the Magars or Hungarians, the Slavs, Poland, where Misko, the first of Poland, converts to Catholicism, beginning the baptism of Poland. Ukraine, where Valdemir I, the Great, is baptized, becoming the first Christian Grand Duke of Kiev. But more importantly, the Atonian dynasty consisting of Otto I, the second, and the third made Rome the capital of the world. Not just Italy Rome, not just the Roman Empire, but Pope Sylvester declared the world, which was the objective of the Ottonian dynasty to continue what Charlemagne had started. The history of the Holy Roman Catholic Christian Church is about power, control, dominance, wealth, and superiority of not just the Roman Empire, but of the entire world. But our allegiance of the tribe of Judah and the ancient Israelites was never to a man, a king, a church, or a religion. Our allegiance has always and will forever be to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Revelation 13 and 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power, and his seat, and great authority. Again, the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. Exodus 20 and 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 34 and 14, For thou shalt worship no other god, for Yah, whose name is Jealous, 
is a jealous God. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or comment here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar. Let truth reign. Let truth speak. And let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars. Truth reigns. Truth speaks. Truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.